Scott, and this is my sister, Dr. Bluma Ekstu. We are two sisters that love each other very much, but spent most of our lives fighting like cats and dogs. The healing of our sibling relationship impacted our entire lives. We have a new outlook on life now. We are on a mission to help adult siblings not only heal their relationships, but make them aware of the impact it has had everywhere in their lives. The number one cause of domestic abuse is not spousal, it's sibling abuse. We have created this podcast to help you, make you laugh, and give you the tools you need to heal as we have healed. Welcome to Sibs United. Hi, I'm Jessica Maria, and this is my sister, Dr. Bluma. Hey, we want to tell you the most important thing you're ever going to hear. Birth order is bullshit. Total bullshit. Total bullshit. Total. I was the black sheep. Bluma was the favorite. I didn't ask to be the black sheep. I didn't never wanted to be the black sheep. Even I like since I was little, just had a lot of energy. And my mom has different energy. She's just more like I want to exercise and run and go conquer the world. And she is, she said her role is to be the caretaker, to be the extra person supporting people. But as a child growing up, she appropriated me. She gave me this fucking role. Not, it had nothing to do with my birth order, except kind of it did with her own family history, but not in terms of really mattering that I was the eldest who usually the eldest is like, the most important child you're ever going to have. It's your first. I should be the favorite, but no, I was a black sheep. And my, my constant memory that's the biggest in my head has to do back when we were little in the seventies, when there were no seatbelts, just picture my sister and I Bluma, which we did not say she and I are sisters, um, are, we're in the back seat, no seatbelts. And whatever reason, siblings fight. That's a total normal thing and typical and common, right? Mm -hmm. Until it becomes abusive. And she would say these emotionally, just like to my soul hurting things. My mom would be driving in the front. We don't have any other siblings at this time. And then I'd say, mom, stop her talking to me like this and saying these things to me. It's so hurtful. And I would probably be crying because I'm this little kid And my mom would do nothing. Oh, you know, just ignore her. Bluma, stop. You know, whatever. Like, just minimal. And then, fuck that. I, like, started, I'm going to protect myself. I started kicking her ass and punching her in the face or whatever. Then my mom would finally pull over. And then she would say to me, and this would be a constant theme the rest of our lives growing up in the same household, my mom would say, what you did was worse, that I physically hurt her. And this isn't about that. It's about the fucking role that my mom put me into the the actual black sheep that I was the bad person and my sister was the favorite. Wow. Hot. My whole body's hot right now. Yeah. Yeah. Super intense to hear you share all of that, being a part of it, being a part of it. As I was, as I was watching you and listening to you and, and, and feeling your feelings, I was also like reflecting on like I had a, I had a hard time hearing you kind of blaming mom. That was my reaction. I was having a hard time with that. And I think that's part of my favorite child syndrome a little bit too, Mm -hmm. you know, like feeling protective of mom. And maybe that was part of 
what she needed also. You're right that that was what it was like for you. And you're right that mom could not tolerate your intense energy. It was just mismatched, you know, between the two of you or right matched. And she didn't know how to grow. Maybe that's the better way of saying it, you know? Absolutely. Because you were her, you were her child. Every parent's going to get a different, different child and God or whatever you were given this child. And that's your growth moment to show up for your child and love them for who they are, not who you want them to be, not who you need them to be, who they fucking are. It's not my job to fit the role that she puts on me. So I want you to share about like your stance of like, first of all, about that story. I, I hear, thank you for giving me love regarding that and seeing it from my perspective, which is something yeah. that we never used to have. You only would defend mom and see it from her perspective and your perspective. So I pr- value that. But I also want you to say like how you felt growing up being the favorite, but also in that instance and the, when those things would happen and so how you felt about it, like your story behind it for you. You know, I, yeah, I, I, I feel like part of what comes up for me is like, when I think about it, when I met, when I remember the feelings of myself, I felt grateful that I had mom protecting me, but she didn't exactly protect me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I felt like she, I had, I had her, I, I, I got her love easily. Um, I think it was easier for her to love me. My personality was more of a match to her than it was easier for her. Or maybe she saw, I don't know if that's true. Maybe she saw that I was the second and she identified because she's the second child. And her, her sister was more in the favorite role growing up. And so she had the eldest, she, her sister was the eldest. Correct. Right. So the birth order is bullshit because she gave me this, she attached this belief system to me of who I was because of my energy and she didn't know what to do with me and had no outlet. I am who I am. And yes, I've grown and left the house as soon as I could, as soon as I graduated high school. But I want to know how you felt in those moments. Yes, you felt great being protected, but like go back in that childhood, in that instance, because I know you don't fully remember that story. Go back as a child and find an instance where you felt where I felt about being my about being the favorite. You're saying, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I feel, I yeah, yeah. Like well, you I, didn't ask to be that role either. That was a I role did not, that I did not, and I by mom. right. I feel like it was a lot of pressure being the favorite child. What's really important is that I feel like what what we got as children permeated our whole lives. So it's not just that you were a black sheep and I was the favorite. Okay. And I could talk about my feelings. I, as I said, I feel like it was a complicated role. It was a complicated role for me. I felt guilt and shame for being the favorite child because I watched, you know, there were times when it was just so like painful that almost Uh almost a disgust I felt from mom towards you. And that hurts to watch that, but I don't want to be you. I don't want to be in, I don't want to experience that from mom. So I'm definitely not going to do the things you're doing. But like I've said before to you, and I want to say to you guys out there that we learn these roles, but they're not just in our childhood. They become sort of the, the path we seek. It permeates throughout our whole life. If anything's predictive, that's, so that's why birth order is bullshit. It's the role that we are appropriated or the role that we serve 
that becomes the prediction and the in some ways of what who we're going to become because we start seeking out ways to be that role in our lives. So whether you're aware of it or not. Yes. I think it feels like you're stuck in that role. Absolutely. You know? I, I you and I both did all this work individually outside of the home, you know, going to counseling and doing workshops and all the and reading books like for years on our own to improve who we were because we wanted to get out of that role that our parents, our mom specifically gave to us of who we were supposed to be. And um, there are things I like about being a black sheep, um, out of the box thinker. I, I like to push buttons in terms of getting you to think differently, not in terms of getting you upset. That's not ever necessary. Maybe as a kid that I learned, but I wasn't completely conscious of it, but I, I like being a contrarian. I, it just comes naturally to me, whether it was nature or nurture. I'm not sure I'm right now going through this with you, not in this very instance, but this process with you, I'm trying to really hone in on who what I love about myself, period, whether it was given to me or not, and what I don't and and getting, letting go of what I don't want. And I was seeking to be, uh, to feel safe and be loved. Those are my, those are my go-tos as well. Some of the role of being, you know, like the favorite that I feel like was positive was I became a little bit of the peacekeeper in the family, you know? And even though that is, a problematic role for a child to be in. I think it's parentifying a child in some way, putting them in a, you know, making, giving them adult responsibilities, which I- Mom and dad always went to is if you were already a psychologist, when you were like, how old, how, what's the earliest memory that you have that they would do that, which is totally inappropriate. I feel like the earliest I remember is, um, I honestly, I think we lived in Borealis. I, I remember them bringing me into a dialogue, a conflict dialogue they were having. And with I didn't help them. I right, know. with each other. Totally. I laugh. I laugh because, because it's ridiculous. You know, I mean, it's a boy, it's a boy named Sue scenario. Like, you know, that song by Johnny Cash. Oh, right. Oh, such a great song. Yeah. Y'all should look it up. It's a good one. Um, but the idea that, that things happen to us as children, and even though they're tough and rough and not good, they do give you certain grit in your, in who you become. And there is benefit to that. And so I feel like I'm a great, it's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Like I was intuitive. So then they sought me out or was I, you know, made to be the peacekeeper, which helped me become intuitive, which I, I, you know, I don't know, but I'm grateful that I was able to channel some of that stuff into a positive. But the things that aren't good about being the favorite is a constant seeking to be the favorite in any situation, like with your yes, friends, wanting wanting someone face. to choose me, wanting someone to prefer me, wanting that that for sure, and that really that really messed me up for a long time. I mean, like the need that that constant need for reassurance yeah. that you are safe and seen which is the need I was trying to get met, you know, and, and, and I think that, you know, being the favorite meant that I was preferred, which meant that I was safe in a childhood mentality. That is what it means. Absolutely. And especially in our family dynamics, because I was so used to being the contrarian, I got, I mean, literally got so used to it that even with friends, if they would say something, I wouldn't try to relate to them. I would try to find the opposite of what they'd say. And it would create this 
conflict, right? And who wants to be friends with someone that does that? I don't, right? Like if someone did that to me, I don't want to be friends with them. And so, um, but as I did more work, like with myself and between you and I, here's the interesting thing is that I felt after I got punished, I felt you and mom went into the other room and she was like hugging you and, oh, it's okay. You're going to be okay. I'm so sorry. You have such a mean sister. And she might have said that though. <laughs> that is not reality though. We both felt meaning, meaning we, you and I have had to have discussed this. That's not necessarily all of what was really going in there. You never felt like that connection. It was never the fighting that was the problem. I mean, it wasn't good, but kids fight. Okay. That's, that's the truth. Right. The problem, the problem was always that there was never perspective taking we never like had a chance to, and, and so this is the, these are things that I think we should put out there to everybody as a way of really working on your role, your archetype, your sibling you archetype. Choose what it, you know, what you, whether you want to continue with that role or as I was saying earlier, what I love and don't love and just deciding this is who I want to be. I don't, I no longer want to be that contrarian unless it's, since I'm so good at it, unless I want to use it for what my future in terms of my career in a, in a very targeted way, not with it's, it's, it's natural purpose. It's Correct. natural Correct. good purpose right. is what right. we should use yes. these, you know, that's what it's for. That's why you have the strength, the superpower. I mean, this being a contrarian really means that you're good at finding the holes in an argument, which is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. It just has a place. Correct. So wanting people to, to like you and see you and value you is great. And you should want that. Everyone, Everyone wants, wants that. that. Yes. But not at, the expense, not at the expense of another person being or less liked and loved or valued. You don't Correct. need, the comparison is, is not necessary for you. There's plenty of love to go around in the world. There's plenty of time. I can value you and me and her and him. I mean, we can value each other. And still no disagree. Competition. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Which is a part of another dynamic in our family of it's a sibling, a classic sibling. It's a classic well, sibling problem. That too. I agree a hundred percent. And that's it was another a huge topic. part of our dynamic was competition, but correct. That's a whole other topic. So, but I want to say what was going on. I want us to go back because to your story, like what was going on in the room for you by being able to talk about it now, how, how we're able to help other siblings. So first go in that room and say what wasn't happening and what you were, what you feel like we both were missing. Right. So going in that room and when, you know, I think, you know, when mom would console me, but would she console you? Like, she would say, yeah. I mean, she would, I think she, I think that was her goal. Was it was that she was trying it to, was, but me. that's not what you said in the past. I'm just saying like you, well, you I'm getting there, girl. Okay. I'm, I'm okay. saying it. <laughs> she would try to help me feel better for the future, my future self. So she would say, you know, it's okay that she's being nasty and ugly and shitty. Not true. She was, she was her point was this might be hard for you now, but in the future, she's going to realize how great you are and it'll be too late you know, by then, you know, you don't have to be friends with her if you don't want to be type of thing to give me a sense of, you know, hope that I'll get to choose at some point, not to have you treat me this way, but right now, no choice. And so just suck it up and deal with it. Cause it's just the way she is. And we just can't change her. She's not lovable or worth you building a relationship with her. She's not capable of change. That's really the, the feeling That's not that true. I got. Well, 
Oh, 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 I'm sorry. You meant mom was saying that about me. Okay. Yes. That is how I felt. That's how that's, I think the message I got and that's like Mm -hmm. what it seemed like. And -hmm. I think that's because you were so alone in, you had dad when he was uh, there. Yeah. I just to say about dad, I feel like you definitely had, uh, you know, much more of his, uh, um, affection than I ever got. And I felt like I was afraid of him and you were not. And I feel like you, so I, I never felt like I was his favorite. I never felt like I had, I, I was not the favorite in our whole family. I was the favorite for mom. And I was the peacekeeper for the other siblings. And I feel like dad, I don't know where don't he know. fit in there. I don't know if I agree that you were a peacekeeper with the other siblings. I think you hung out with them more and excluded me. And but you also didn't really want to be there. You also were often out. You were very social at the time that I was still like a kid. And you were like already into like that teenage time. And I feel like that's why me. Adam, me, Adam and Sarah, or really just me and Adam, I think, because we were closer in age. And so I'm just, I'm not justifying, I'm not trying to take any less ownership away from it. I just also want to say like reality, I don't think you really wanted to be there. Um, Adam was watching He-Man and you were, and and he, remember Adam would come home from and watch, he would want to watch He-Man when we were watching MTV. It's not always that the role that we, that we're in is for everyone. Like, I don't think that dad necessarily saw you as the black sheep. Do you think he did? Yes, because he he feels he was an outcast. Which, but he celebrated you being a, a black sheep. I don't think it was negative. We bonded in other ways. Absolutely, I'm not not saying that he wasn't present a lot, right? And even when he was physically there, he wasn't fully present. So that's true. That's so true. Um, I'm, I'm all I'm saying is I'm saying that there's a possibility. That's all I'm saying. You know, the sibling archetype, the, you know, black sheep favorite or whatever archetype you are out there, you know, that, you know, feel whatever role you felt like was appropriated to you in your life does not, doesn't necessarily mean that it's that way for everyone in your family, that they all have to see you that way. I feel like mom and me and you definitely had this triad kind of situation where I was the favorite, you were the black sheep, and she kind of appropriated those roles to us from her own background. But um, I think dad celebrated all of your black sheepness um, because it was like thinking outside the box and it was, it was challenging, you know, rage against the machine a little bit. And I think he does that. I will just say like, he gave me tools like speed reading because reading sucks for, I have dyslexia and it sucks for kids who have dyslexia to learn how to read for your brain, to learn how to read. So he gave me tools like that to read with your finger. And, um, like I took the Evelyn Wood course on how to do it, like things like that to help me. Cause he could relate. Like he, he cannot really read. He he also has dyslexia. Right. Correct. Neither of us got what we needed from our parents where they were the adults you know, when we would have conflict, they didn't go in and help us resolve the conflict and be able to move on and, and realize you don't want to show up this way again, this way. And this is why, and this is how you can get past it, which is what the role of a parent is. Um, but so, but really at the end of the day, what we want to share with you is that the role that you played in your growing up adult, you know, and you're an adult now, what you played as a child to first recognize what that role was, what you yes. see, like to not feel bad because 
one last thing about black sheep, you get to choose whether you want to continue to show up in that way and be that role in your family. And when we've done this work together, we know that you no longer have to play that role anymore if you don't want to and find the positives. And so we're right. saying you get to choose and just be, start being conscious and thinking, what role did I play in my family? Do I like, was it given to me? Because the majority we've noticed of people, your parent chose the role for you of how you get to show up in your family. And they do that. They do that because they themselves were appropriated a role that never got resolved for them too. 99.9% of the time. So guys, we want, we, we would love for you to share with us what your archetype was, what role did you play in your family and, yeah, and label and it, what were, label it, name it. We want to know, we want to know what that is so much. And yes. And if you want, you can also go down further and explain why you think that is. We want to help heal adult sibling relationships. And part of that, the, one of the first steps is recognizing the role you played in your family yes. and deciding if you want to still play that role and how to heal with your sibling. Yes. Thank you so yes. much for listening to us. Yes. Thank and you I so love much. being on this trip with you at Bluma in, the, in this podcast so that we can continue to grow and love each other more and more because yes. clearly you can see that we came from hatred to harmony. Love you. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to Suits United Podcast. Please subscribe, leave a review or comment. We'd love to hear from you. While you're at it, follow us on Facebook and Instagram and become a part of our tribe of helping heal adult sibling relationships.